Like every every podcast in the podcast sphere, it has a common thread, and it's that Skype doesn't work ever. And uh, the, we, it, it's not even a bit. Like it's not even like a thing that you and I do because other people do, and it's funny. It literally doesn't work ever. <laughs> well, the the good news is that we're all getting a new bit um, yes, soon, right? right. Uh, because uh, because apparently, uh, call recorder is not going to update to work on the M1 chip. Um, and uh, quite honestly, I zoom is horrible. Um, well, so zoom, zoom is disgusting, uh, because apparently they don't respect privacy, but they've invaded the rest of my professional life. So why not, uh, why not do this, uh, for podcasting too, apparently. And according to, uh, Jason Snell, uh, zoom is good because it records separate tracks for everybody. Um, and, and that, that's, uh, you know, belt and suspenders as they say. And, and so we're going to, we're going to do it. It's we're, when we need to, I, I, I think so. Well, yeah. At some point well, in the yeah, future. Yeah. So, so here's, here's the thing. Cause people love this. So, so I, 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 I'm ready, right? We, we've got a, we've got a nine o'clock start time. I, I have made my coffee. It is eight 53. I, I get to my, my computer, my little, uh, my little Skype machine here, as I like to call it, as you mm-hmm. know, that is a bit. Um, and, and I, and I and I fire it up, and uh, call recorder launches. But but I get a little notification saying, "Hey, urgent, red, 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 red. Mm-hmm. You need some new call recorder. <laughs> don't don't mess with the old call recorder. You need the new, very new, up to date one that is different from the one that you installed less than two weeks ago because it's so much better. Got mm-hmm. it. I'm in. I'm you know you don't have to tell me twice. I, I'm convinced. So I do that. <laughs> I go through. This is all from so there's 8:53, right? So so then I, I've already checked my audio once. I, I install that. Now now we're getting to let's say it's it's you know 8 8:57 or something like that. No problem. I, I still have time. You we we're, we're good. We're on. We're everything's fine. Now all of a sudden I I go to call you and turns out um, all the settings say yeah Rode Podcaster everything's great. Um, I can't hear you. I can't hear the call. Could you hear me when, could you hear me um, cursing? Cause it would be a great outtake. Yeah. I, I, yes, y- yes, yes. And, um, God damn it. <laughs> yes. So, so I have that recording. Thank you. Um, because call recorder was working on my end after, after I, so I was running a little bit late. Um, and after I said I, I was good to go, what I realized that I, I did not do what I always do, which is I, I talk to the nice Skype lady right, right. Um, and I do a test, right? And uh, I forgot to do that. And then it's like, oh, well, should I, what should I hang up? Should, what should I do? I was like, oh, no, I'll take the call. And then you couldn't hear me. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if it's me or you. <laughs> it turns out it's you. <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe it was you, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, no, but it wasn't. Because as soon as you hung up, I called the nice Skype lady and, and she and I had a good conversation. Oh, and so, no, it wasn't me. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. It was, I'm sure it was me. It was something weird on my, on my side. Um, oh, gosh. Anyway, that's uh, fascinating. People love this. Um, the other thing I, I have, you, you and I have talked a little bit about this, but I want to give people uh, an update on my internet because it, sometimes it makes me sound like a robot, but I fixed it. I mm. fixed it, Don. I, I have, I, 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 we, we haven't talked about this on this show, but I, I mentioned it. I now have a shadow network in my house that no one else is allowed on. And that is, that's how I fixed it. That's so, like an in, inverse shadow ban. 
<laughs> right. Your family is shadow banned from your shadow network. Correct, correct. So no one, no, don't don't be creepy people who listen to us on the internet and, and OPSEC and try to figure out, you know, drive around the Raleigh-Durham area and figure out where there's two Wi-Fi networks <laughs> coming out of the same house. And then you're like, hey, I'll take a picture out in front of your house. Um, yeah, don't do not do that. <laughs> Honestly, that would be great. If somebody would do that, that would be great. But don't, but don't do that. But don't do that. Don't do that. Well, I'll tell you, do that, but only send the picture to me. So I'll, I'm the only one. <laughs> That will know that you're being creepy. We won't tell Ben. <laughs> Perfect. I will. I, I will. I, sp- I support that. Uh, so, it, so, so I, I now have um, the my, my Eros for whatever reason. There's there's like seventy things on my network at, at all times between. Like that's not. Let, just let's be clear to people. <laughs> that is not an. Ex- when when Ben says <laughs> that according to his Eros network there are seventy things on his network, he is not. That is not an exaggeration. No. That is. That is literally that is literally the number of devices connected to his Eero. That yes, that's the high end. The low end is forty five. Somewhere in between forty five and seventy at all times. Between light bulbs, because the smart home things and iPads and iPhones and Macs and uh, Alexa boxes and all the uh, all the stuff, all the things that we have, uh, phones. Um, we all of those things. It's it it, it climbs up to seventy and and the. What what I've learned from Eero is that it's really good if you don't move, and mm-hmm. and the problem is we're all moving with our stuff all the time, all the time. But that's it's it's mobile computing, Ben. You're literally supposed to be moving right. while you're using it. Right, 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 right. So so, but now I have I have another. I've 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 taken one of my one of my little Eros off of the Eero mesh, and I've put it into its own little place. Um, and it, I've, I've, sh- I've got a shadow network that my kids aren't allowed on and I've, I've got a, it's a, it's a fast pipe, Don. It's, uh, it's <laughs> not like a dump truck. No, no, it's, we're talking. <laughs> it's we're, a big old tube. <laughs> it's a big old tube. It's, there's no, there's no strings and pulleys in this one. Um, it's, I, I, I do you, <laughs> because of this obsession of my house with the internet, like literally every day. These these words get uttered by someone. <laughs> the internet's not working. My brother is stealing the internet. He's taking all my broadband, which like just terms that aren't real, right? Like <laughs> they're not quite. They're almost right. They're, you you understand the problem? Yes. If they haven't phrased the problem correctly using the correct terms, but you understand, like basically they they can't they can't stream you know um, Minecraft. Minecraft or whatever it is that they're yeah, doing. Yeah, exactly. TikTok, Minecraft. And Twitch and Discord. My my kids are all into Discord. Oh, Discord! Yes, because they that's where they um you know it's where where the gamer people uh, meet each other and they talk and uh, so my yeah they they, all their friends are on on the Discord. So anyway, my Discord's slow. My 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 Enderman is laggy. You know all this. What? Yeah, exactly, exactly, Don. That's like they have good desserts, right? Enderman's dessert. <laughs> Enderman's Enderman's desserts. It's a laggy dessert. Uh, <laughs> it, it, every you know, the, just the terms. There, there are so many times that I use the phrase that I've heard on multiple movies or TV shows where someone says there are words. I understand those words in the sequence that they are coming out of your mouth. I don't understand what that means. And that is a common situation here in my house. But all of it, all of it revolves around. My internet is slow. And my internet, Don, and this is the frustrating part, my internet is not slow. My internet's right. fast. Your internet's really fast. I got yeah. a fast internet here. So, so, uh, so right now on my shadow network with 
um, uh, a couple of kids uh, streaming things and and doing all the you know things whatever. I, I am now getting uh, download speeds um, of 190 uh, megs per second, I think it is, and an upload of 87, and that's just here on my little shadow network. And that is fast enough for our Skype issues. Uh, so hopefully I don't sound like a robot. And it's, I don't think most of our, I don't think our listeners probably heard me sound like a robot much because I I, I record stuff on my side, but it bothers me when I'm laggy. Yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing. It's not, it's like the, those are perfectly adequate speeds for doing a podcast, which is an audio format. Um, but what's pr- the problem is, is like when something ha- when somebody moves one of their mobile devices from one euro to another, then there's a whole lot of like, who, hey, who, who. That's what I imagine the yes. euros are ta- are saying. Like, hey, hey, whoa, over here, whoa, yo, you know, and and like and like they're sort of like bobbling, like they're like they're, they're juggling, but then somebody almost drops something, right? And that's that's what I imagine they're doing when somebody moves, and then because they're focusing on that, that means that you you your 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 pipe gets small. <laughs> right, right. I, no one wants a small pipe, uh, or, or a, a you know a corroded build-up pipe on the inside, or whatever it looks like. Uh, yeah. So, so I have so I have a, a couple of comments. Um, number one, um, I think a good platform where your kids are not is Clubhouse. Oh, right? true, true. Which we should talk about. And and I should say, like you and I are on Clubhouse, and I have not put this on Twitter, but I will put this here in the podcast. If you would like to, if, if you know what Clubhouse is and you would like to get on Clubhouse and you would like an invitation, I have some. So so if you're hearing this, um, uh, DM me on, on Twitter. I think I need your mobile number. I'm not quite exactly sure, but anyway, I will give you a Clubhouse invitation. First come, first serve. Um, happy, to, happy to do that. And then, oh, and the other thing I want to talk about is my internet. So as we shared, I have internet in my office now, um, but I've been playing with the configuration. So what I have is I have a, a Eero router and then I also, but I also have my Synology, which I've used for uh, time capsule, time machine. I work, use it as a time capsule for time machine backups. Um, but I've been playing around like the, the, the Synology has two ports. The Eero has two ports. Um, and then I've got to figure out how to chain these together. And when I was chaining them through the Eero, it was quite slow. Um, but now I'm going through our, when I was chaining them through the Synology, it was quite slower. It didn't even work. It didn't even chain through the Synology. And so now I'm running it through the Eero, um, which is good because then I've got like the, the pipe to the Eero, which is giving good Wi-Fi, and then and then the Eero hardwired to my Mac or to my monitor, which goes to my Mac. But then the problem is there's not enough ports to put the Eero or to put the Synology on the network. So I think it just suddenly occurred to me, I, I don't have to have the Synology in my office. I can actually put that um, down next to the router where it'll also be hardwired so that when I go and do a backup from my Mac, it's, it's, it's fast. So it's anyway, that's, there. that's my, that's yeah. my brief update. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's a good, I like that. Um, we don't, we don't have that. We got, we, I, I think, I don't care if we talked about this. We're, we're, uh, we're a cloud backup, uh, um, family here. Um, uh, we're, we're all mm. in on, uh, the, uh, it, it just works camp- company. Um, and <laughs> so for your Macs too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it all goes into so, the, it's all in the, it, so, yeah. So how are you backing up your Mac with iCloud? Uh, well, I don't back up anything except for files. So I don't okay. like, like, uh, like day, like I don't back up any of the apps and, and I, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I just, uh, turn on the little iCloud, like I pay for, uh, terabits mm. and terabits of iCloud storage. And then it says, do you want to back this folder up? And I, I just say yes. Mm. 
And it, oh, because I'm because I'm 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 using I'm using Backblaze for backing up my my Mac, and then we have Dropbox, which I don't really count as a backup, and then I'm also backing up to the to, to the Synology. So yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what I'm doing would be considered a backup because I'm certainly not saving my settings files. And and, and right, well, but yeah. honestly, the, it's the files that are your, it's your data files that are most important. Exactly. Right? Yeah, and and it's like our pictures and all the movies we've taken and all that oh. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So we, oh, we got yeah. the whole family <laughs> sentimental. Sentimental stuff. Sentimental I, stuff. Yeah. I, 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 my, maybe my photos are backed up somewhere, but it's okay. Well, and, <laughs> I don't but, really care about that. You, well, see, and and I think in in when when you had kids, your your if if there were any pictures of your children when you had kids, you had still have kids, but when you had pictures <laughs> of them. Um, they were, they, they might've been in albums or in a, Oh, there, there yeah. are some lovely pictures of my kids that were taken with a camera and printed out on yeah. in print. Uh, and some of them have been scanned and they're, they're, and they're quite wonderful. So there's very, very wonderful pictures, which I, yeah. So, which is, which is, which is fine. Yeah. We, and we don't do that. Um, and, and like we, we've got, we, we got into, a a, a level of anxiety, um, about a year ago, uh, hmm. where, where I, my, my love, my anxiety levels went up when I was like, look. D- Danny, my my wife has, um, you know, she has a phone, and <laughs> I don't think there's any offset in, in that. Don't you know? I, I I'm not revealing anything uh, new. People have phones. Uh, she she's one of them. Um, there is, uh, you know, she was taking pictures on her phone. Then she would put them on her computer, and they would sit there. But she had to clear them off of her phone because of storage issues. Because she, oh, she's a but yeah. yeah. But then it was just sitting on her computer, and then mm. I w- gave her um, an external hard drive to back it up to. But that it true like, and this is this is the practical side of of how our like family computing works. She she does not sit at a desk ever, or mm-hmm. really. Every once in a while, she might sit at the kitchen table, but but she does all of her computing um, in our living room, and mm-hmm. she's like, "It's dumb. I don't want to have this this cord and this, you know, extra drive that now I in, you know I've got my computer now, but I got to pick up this other thing that looks like a deck of cards to to back things up, and maybe uh, she would back it up once a month, and then it became once every well eight months, and and, th- and that's and that's the thing. If it doesn't happen automatically, it doesn't happen. Right. Like I had a similar conversation with Kristen, who ha- she has a laptop. She has d- d- two iPads, don't ask, and I, a phone. I understand. Um, but <laughs> do you please explain it to me later? Am, um, all right. I'll put, I'll put a pin in that. We're coming back okay. to that. Okay. <laughs> so the way – I do know why she – well, I know why she has two and I know how she uses them. Basically what she does is she uses one until the battery runs yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she just uses the other one. And then there's another but, one close by. Yep, I but, understand. But one of them one of them had to get go in for a repair because it was bent and, and, and we had a discussion about, well, you need to back it up. And I'm like, well, you can back it up to your laptop or you can you can back it up to the iCloud. Now, we might have to pay for iCloud storage. She said, oh, no, 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 we should back it up to the laptop because I'm going to have to pay. I'm like, yeah, but when are you going to do that? She's like, oh, I'll remember to do it. I'm like, no, no, you won't remember to do that. So we're just going to we're just going to turn on iCloud backup. And it worked great. Like we got the we got the iPad back, you know. They quote unquote fixed it, which means they gave us a new one that was identical, right? And and I just said, okay, yeah, restore from cloud. And it said it said look looks like you've got a look at this you're setting up this new one, but it looks like there's this one in the cloud. It's like yeah, restore from backup, and boom, it was within within an hour or two, it was good to go, which is which is amazing. And yeah. and again, bottom line is like we don't have to think about that now, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, and, and so let's come back. I Don, you know, I'm I'm like a I'm a hoarder of of Mac things. So so, yes. so right now. In rotation, 
and, and it's all about different places and different situations. I, I've got three laptops that are in rotation. Um, an, an old uh, MacBook Adorable, which which I cannot, like, the, it is my favorite. It, it is the one that fits in this little backpack that I love. And it w- it's got a food safety talk uh, decal, decal on it. Um, and I, it, it's my favorite, but it has the crappy keyboard that is constantly giving me trouble that I've had repaired a bunch of times. Um, I have that. Then I have a MacBook Air, like the not the M1, but the like the, the newer ones. That's a 13 inch, and then I've got a MacBook Pro that's a 13 inch. That's basically the same as the MacBook Air, but it's got four ports instead of two, uh, and the Touch Bar. And literally, Don, depending on where I am in my house, I will be in, on all those different things. I like I have I have a little mm. tiny recliner in in my office. Um, that that you may have seen behind me in, in our in our zooms that I like to, I like to sit there listen to music and I like to use my MacBook Pro because it's that that's it's a it's a this is, if if I'm in that chair I'm in a prime I need my best computing stock I'm, I'm in my mm-hmm. I, I need mm-hmm. I need the top top notch but then uh, the 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 little MacBook adorable is the one that if I have to go somewhere I take it with me it's it like sl- it fits in between the seat of my car and the console of my car. Mm-hmm. So, and and so it, it's the it's the one that goes out of the house, and then the the other MacBook Air it moves back and forth between the living room and the and the bedroom depending on what I what I need it for, and um and so but I got all those, and then I got like and and I I've gone through this on our secret text chat with with writing buddies, but I also have three three iPads that are in rotation, um and. Yeah, and it's probably excessive, right? Like now that I say it, well, out loud. I mean, if as long as it works for you, it's fine. It's the, the it works for me. The 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 I I really really like my um, iPad Mini when I read stuff in bed. Like that's my mm-hmm. that's my book, mm-hmm. right? Like I mm-hmm. um so so I read books on it. It's it's light, so when it when I fall asleep and it hits me in the nose, it's not as heavy as the as the iPad mm-hmm. Pro. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. less likely to cause injury. Um, mm-hmm. And then and then the t- I've got I've got two iPad Pros, an older one and an, and a newer one, and they um, sometimes run out of batteries. So I I looked and and I'm always, like I am nervous that and this is the uh, this might have come from uh, my my graduate school upbringing with uh, a friend of the show friend of ours Doug Powell who is constantly breaking computers and things <laughs> he always like you know there there were just certain like Doug truisms and one of them was like always have a backup right never be caught without oh. without a backup right three three is two two is one one is none exactly as they say on podcasts yes and and so so i i oh because because i use my air my um uh ipad so much i i feel mm-hmm. like i will break it and I'll drop it, or I'll drop it in the bath because I like to use it in the bath as well. Um, and it will fry. And but I'll need. I will be very happy that I have a backup at that point. So yeah. So that's my. Oh, for sure. My, that's my situation. Um. So. Oh, go ahead. No, that's. We probably should talk less about the our um, our devices. Uh, <laughs> we should talk about other things. Uh, well, we have we have a we have a, some really good food safety content to get to, and I was, I so actually this is a nice segue, <clears throat> excuse me, into the topic, right? Because I was throwing a bunch of stuff into our Dropbox to talk about today because I was clearing out some old emails, and part of the reason why, so I've been I have been 
ah, stressing is not the right word. I have been, I've been struggling to get organized at work. And finally I said, you know what? This is ridiculous. Let me, let me go talk to somebody who's good at this stuff. And so I actually, it's, uh, it's, uh, he is, he's a, he's a psychiatrist, he's a therapist, but he's also a tech dude. And so I booked an appointment, um, with this guy, uh, call, I think I'm going to say his name correctly here, uh, Karush Dini. And he, he has a wonderful, he, he's all in on OmniFocus and he's just got some, he's just got a really, really nice website. He's got, I just really like the way he writes in a very sort of calm and relaxed, uh, style. And I just, I have a huge amount of admiration for him. And I was f- looking on his website and he's like, Oh, I do. I do like, uh, you know, consulting, like, like to help people with their stuff. And I'm like, I, I could do this. This, this sounds like this would be an interesting thing to do. And I had my first, um, session with him didn't have to lie on a couch or anything. Um, and it was, it was great. I mean, it was really good. He gave me some good, good practical advice. And, uh, I've, so I've, I've sort of re redone my OmniFocus. Um, and, and it's so far knock wood, it's been, it hasn't been more, much more than a week, but it seems to be working and it's helping me stay focused on manuscripts. It's helping me focus on some consulting stuff, which was kind of getting, like I had a bunch of like sort of big consulting projects that were <clears throat> kind of, I imagine them like boulders rolling down the hill, right at, at me. And I needed to get organized with that. And then plus just dealing with a bunch of smaller projects and then just dealing with general email clutter and stuff like that. And I, uh, like I said, I don't want to jinx it, but, um, he gave me some really good tips and I think it's, uh, I think it's working. So, Oh, Oh, so part of that is I have a, and this is just sort of my own system, not anything that he proposed, but like I want to make a concerted effort to get my email under control. And so because I am a data nerd, I made a spreadsheet <laughs> and, and because I can do this, I made a regression. And so I have like the number, of emails in my inbox versus date and I'm looking for a downward trend in that regression line and so I needed I needed a quick win yesterday and I'm like I'm working from the top of my email and it gets it gets frazzled working from the top because then you run into those things that are why you're not making progress. And so I said, you know what, let me flip this around. Let me work from the bottom of my email. And the one thing you discover if you start working from your bottom of your inbox is there's a bunch of shit there, uh, stuff there, excuse me, fix that. Um, Grace, um, a bunch of stuff at the bottom that you don't have to do anymore because it's done, right? Either you did it and forgot to take it out or it just doesn't need to be done anymore. And then, and there, then there was a bunch of, uh, of follow up from people on the podcast and I'm like, yeah, boom, throw it in, throw it in, get it out. And then, and that kept my my regression uh, trend line down on on my email. So I'm like I said, I'm probably going to jinx it by talking about it. But I'm uh, oh, and the other thing too, I'm very excited. Speaking of giving money to people that we like on the internet, uh, David Sparks, who's another productivity guy, has a course on how to go paperless. And I am I'm gonna I, I'm taking the course, and I bought a uh, document scanner, and so I'm also going to go. Uh, a paperless for all of my like, and again, this is mostly just, I mean, for work stuff, I'm mostly paperless already, but for personal stuff like, you know, equipment manuals that are, that are not digitally already available and just bills and just, just general stuff that I'd feel the need to keep, but that I don't really want to have cluttering up a file cabinet anymore. So anyway, so, so I'll give a, a shout out to both, uh, David Sparks and, uh, Karushtini. That is awesome. Okay. So tell me, well, I don't want to um, – people should go to Karushtini's website um, and check it out. Which I will I will yeah. find in a minute. Uh, it is uh, – uh, well, it's – yeah, uh, it's uh, karushtini.com. 
Com. Yes, yeah. I, I found I found uh, him. Um, so um, without I mean, <clears throat> without revealing too much, because because people should work with with the guy who's got the expertise. What what kind of what tips did he give you on OmniFocus? And I and oh, to, it was for, it, it, asking for a friend essentially. I, yeah, it, for a friend. I understand. No, yeah. no, well, it wasn't it wasn't like he was selling me on OmniFocus. He's like, well, tell me. Tell me about your problems, Don. I mean, it was very much you could. I mean, I, I so number one, I like that that I like he. This is a guy who uses technology, right? But he's a psychiatrist and a therapist, right? So he's like, tell me what your tell me what tell me what's stressing you out. <laughs> tell me what your problems are, and then tell me tell me what you're doing to deal with those things, and then um, wh- what's working for you. And it was very. I mean, it, again, I have never. I, I mean, I'm a big big believer in mental health. I'm a big believer in therapy. I have I go to a support group, uh, but I have never actually gone to therapy, right? But I imagine this was is very much what it would feel like to go to a therapist. And so mostly we just talked about what was stressing me out and why I felt I wasn't making progress and what I was doing about it. And we talked about you know, well, I talked about my the 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 dumpster fire that is my OmniFocus, right? Where I just like put stuff in and it never comes out, right? Like right, that's not right. a good productivity system. I talked about working from my inbox, which he said that's fine. Just be aware that that's what you're doing. It's it's not a best practice, but it's perfectly okay to do. And then I also talked about like sometimes if I'm stressed, I just write stuff down on a list on on paper, right? And so, um, and he said, well, okay, so so you know, you, you can do whatever what works, but let me give you a, like an idea for how to kind of plan your day. And so I've I've modeled. I've modeled that and I did it in OmniFocus just because I wanted to, right? And one of and so I've got like four things that I do every day, right? And his main thing was look, if something is stressing you out, and I, I love this phrasing, he said, you should touch it every day. Right. Like do at least something on that every day. And so I've got I've got four things that I do every day. I work on a manuscript, I work on consulting, I work on clutter. Okay, and then I, I do something called work on medium rocks, which is like things that are not manuscripts or consulting, but which have deadlines or which are weighing on me, right? And 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 I and I just make an effort every day to work. I, it doesn't have to be. I could be. I could work on a manuscript for ten minutes, right? But I've worked on a manuscript, and so um, and it's so it's just like each day I touch on each of these things, and then once I've done it, I click the the thing, and it goes off my OmniFocus, and then. I'm done. And then I've got, I'm playing around a little bit. Like OmniFocus has this ability. I don't know if you played with this, but within the notes field of an OmniFocus uh, task, I guess they're called, uh, within within an OmniFocus thing, um, you can put links to files. Yes. Right? And so on, on my work on a manuscript, I've got a link to my writing buddy's Excel sheet. And so so it, this 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 today's what, what's called a today screen. I'm I'm calling it today. It's it's a, a OmniFocus perspective called today. Um, I work on a manuscript. So the first thing I do is I go into OmniFocus. I mean, first thing I do is I check email for a little bit, and then I say, okay, now now it's time to get to work. I go work go over to to work today. Uh, work on a manuscript that just happens to be the top one on the list right now. Click on uh, DWS manuscripts, which is my writing buddy's file. That opens up, and now it's like, okay, what are you going to work on? So, and I guess I could put. A, I could put a link to the folder of the current manuscript I'm working on. That is, I could also put that there. Um, I've got a link um, for one of these, the the consulting thing. I've got a link to a drafts post that has like kind of my working notes for that. I've got a link to a folder. And then, oh, and then under work on clutter, 
I've got a link to my email spreadsheet, right? Um, but I've also got a, li- a part of working on clutter. Well, part, part of that is, is listening to David or, or, you know, going through David Sparks paperless course, right? Cause that's part of working on clutter. Um, and then, um, also uh, you can link to, uh, things in OmniFocus, right? And this is actually when he, he showed me his, his demo file. This is what he had. And then, so you can use, you can work, you can put a link to an OmniFocus project it within the notes of another project or mm-hmm. within another, another item. And so I've got, but I've got links to my OmniFocus inbox, right? And also to OmniFocus tags, because I've got this sort of profusion of tags that I need to pare down. And then what I had linked to before, and I've already cleaned that up, is all of the thing, the overdue things in my forecast. And one of the, one of the bad habits that I've gotten into with OmniFocus is giving things deadlines that don't really have deadlines. And then you just get deadline overload and you just, you don't know what's important anymore. And so that was my first, you know, thing that I did. It's like, we just went through every day. I didn't do it all in one day, but when I had time, just go through and just sort of clean. It's like, is that really need a deadline? No deadline. And so it's, it was just sort of very repetitive, just de- deleting deadlines from things. And it's not gone, right? It's still in my OmniFocus. I, but, I, but now it's not, it doesn't have this artificial deadline that was like, you know, two years ago, right, right, <laughs> literally right. some two yeah. years ago. Well, and, and I, so yeah, so that's, so that's, that's, that's how, what I've been doing. It's, it's kind of like, I, I think about, um, whether it's uh, what we what we do with writing buddies, the you know the having some a level of accountability, but like having some sort of a goal, or how I try to like think about working out and being active and stuff, right? It's it, do, the the hardest part, like touching the things that you're stressed about every day, is a really like a, um, salient suggest tip, right? Because right, the, right. it's it makes it. it <clears throat> It makes it less daunting, makes it less overwhelming, right? Like if right. I, right, yeah, if if I can just like do and and I've been um, I've been all in on Apple Fitness Plus um, since mm-hmm. it came out in in the fall, and if I can, it, it's made it so I could do. I don't have to go somewhere. I don't have to find a like a, a, a cardio workout. It's all in one place. But if I can just be like, you know what, I, I just start this, right? Like, like even if it's 10, they, they give you an option for those like 10 minute workouts. So if I don't know if I can, if I'm going to be able to get motivated enough to do 30 minutes or 45 minutes, we'll just do 10 minutes and see where it goes. Cause at the end of it, maybe I'm going to be ready to do another 20 minutes on, on another you know, workout or maybe that's it. And, but I did something and it's, it, yeah, it's, the 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 daunting part, and which which sounds like you've you've kind of gotten past the the hump on this. The daunting part is 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 putting the putting the time in, maybe not all in one sitting, but over over the course of of a few days or a week to to set it up to get started, so you can do that. So you're not like plowing through. Like right now, I'm looking at my my OmniFocus inbox. There's 73 things in my inbox, and I've been pretty good. Like the stuff at the top, I'm still adding things and I'm going through. But if I scroll down, and this is how I, my, some of my problems with email, um, if I scroll down to like the second page, there's stuff that goes back to like February 2020 that I'm clearly not going to do. Like, like this connect Michael and Brittany. I'm not going to do that now because that was, um, uh, that was a year ago. I'm so do you could just, del- you should delete that. I just did it. I just deleted it. But I know. There you go. Isn't that, doesn't that feel nice? It does. It feels good. But, but it, you know, like that. Yeah, this this is this is good. Well, I'm glad this, this sounds like a cool. It, that's not something that I would have thought about doing 
um, at all, like to connect with, uh, connecting with Karouche. But I, I really, that's, I don't, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm inspired by you. I like that you just did that, that you're like, there's a guy, I'm going to talk to him. I don't, it's not like, uh, I got to find someone who's, who's in New Jersey that I can go sit and, and see face to face. He's, he's got a expertise in this area. I need some, some help in it. Let's try this. I, that's, that's phenomenal. That's, I, I don't Don, I'm, I'm very excited for you. I like that. I well, like that a lot. Yeah, and 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 here's the thing: it's like there's no pressure. It's just like a one-off meeting, um, and then it's like you you want to schedule another one. It's like yeah, I, I mean I got I, I mean it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't like hugely expensive, but it wasn't it wasn't cheap. But it's like well, I mean, how much is my mental health worth, right? How much is my and I felt like oh, I absolutely got got my money's worth, and I'm and and again, I like the idea of another having another session with him because like well, okay, I got some homework, right? And and then he sent a nice follow up, and I sent I sent a follow up, and he's like, yeah, so just keep working that. If it stops working. Note why it stopped working, right? He's just, he's very like I said. It's I mean it's it's sort of it's it's very simple, but at the same time it's very yeah. And I don't know. He just he's very I don't know, just really 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 like him. And again, I followed him on the internet for a long time, and um, but but never like you know. And and again, it's a little intimidating because he he's like he seems. I, I probably he is, but he seems so good at OmniFocus, right? And he seems to have like his shit, like or his, his stuff, excuse me, fix that again. Um, his stuff so together, right? It's like, it's a little intimidating, but he's, but he's just like, just a very, I don't know, just got just a really kind and decent and, and not very, not judgmental person. Right. Yeah. And, and, and he's been, anyway, I'm just really, I'm going on, but anyway, that's cool. Did was good, your good stuff? Yeah. So uh, I'm looking at his, his website here. Was your introduction like w- was it, the, it, it? He did a he did a podcast back in October with the Omni Show. Did you listen to that? Is that was that? that? Oh no no I have okay. I have followed him for a. This is back in the the 73 folder days. Okay. Um, I I've known about him for a long long time. Like since since I first got OmniFocus and yeah so it goes yeah so no find find the oldest the oldest thing. <laughs> on his website and that's probably when i found him so long long time long long time oh, that's awesome cool cool well that yeah, yeah that, that's new that, that's some new new stuff i like that um yeah so so anyway let's well i mean let, let's um so that was supposed to be a quick segue into why yeah. there's stuff in in the in our dropbox to talk about on this show but let's do it well let's talk about okay so here are things that made me. Um, I, I looked at these new Dropbox things, and I want you to talk me through them because I think there's some there's co- some cool stuff. But one that I immediately went to my phone and downloaded um, is, and I clearly haven't listened to because I just saw this this morning. There is a a podcast called Ca- Causality Causality, um, and they have an episode number thirty two about Walkerton, which I assume is about Walkerton. Um, water and you, you drop this into the, uh, into the podcast box yesterday. Did you listen to this episode? Do you know anything about it? Is this homework for me? I need to listen to a podcast about Walkerton, Ontario and an outbreak of E. coli one, five, seven, eight, seven in a water system. Well, so I know, I know Walkerton is a, a no pun intended, like a watershed event for you, right? It, it has an event that has meaning in your life. And so, no, this was simply a recommendation from a listener 
about a, a cool podcast. And I'm like, okay, well, the, I should tell Ben. So I have not listened to it. It's not homework for you unless you want it to be homework. I sure as heck don't need another podcast to listen to. I don't have time to listen to the ones that I listened to already. Um, but I just put it out there just because I thought you, I thought you would like it. So no, no pressure. It's just, uh, it's just a, it's just a little ephemeral little bits and bites floating out there for you to consider. And it was, it, it came, it came in from, uh, it came in from a listener who, who said, Hey guys, uh, I don't know if you know about this, but, um, I just wanted to tell you about it. Awesome. Well, I, um, I, I didn't subscribe to it, but I did download the Walkerton episode. So, ah, um, cool. so I will, uh, I, I, I will let you know, um, uh, about that. And it, yeah, it, it certainly is, um, like uh, th- this, this outbreak happened right as I got into to food safety and public health and communication stuff, and so it, yeah, it absolutely is a watershed moment. Um, and I, I, yeah, I'll ch- I'll check it out. I, I will take that as homework. Yep. I, I'm yeah, I'm and it, with and it. Yeah, and it says it says uh, don't reveal my message, my name or my message on the air. Um, but uh, we can certainly reveal that somebody shared. Um, and so yeah, uh, he he and the person that's sharing this, I guess I'm sort of sharing their message a little bit. But he says he found out about the podcast from Merlin, um, and thought it might be of interest. Um, bit tangential to your work, but no, not not, not tangential at all. So anyway, oh, and, <laughs> and then he adds, oh oh, and it's Canada because he knows that we like Canada on this podcast. So yep yep. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, l- let's jump into some, some new, new to, uh, like, let's say new to us, but maybe old feedback, um, things that have been, uh, been around, uh, well, maybe not, not been around for a while, but, um, okay. So I, let's start with, um, let's start, start with a fun one, uh, that, Came to us uh, v- via our, uh, our our website, uh, Food Safety Talk, um, and uh, you titled this uh, first hate mail follow up." Um, <laughs> so uh, this comes to us from um, share all details freely. So uh, Jackie uh, Parmentier ninety nine at uh, gmail dot com. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's what. Ja- please, please don't email Jackie, folks. Please no. don't do that. Uh, hi guys. Uh, I have some thoughts regarding raw breaded frozen chicken products. It shouldn't be confused at all for the consumer. Uncooked means raw fully cooked is what it sounds like. If people don't know what that, those words mean, they need to retake English class or call the company and ask someone what the words mean. Also, you just assume that everyone can buy a food thermometer off the shelf when not everyone can do that. Talking food thermometers aren't readily available and have to be ordered. I, I believe that's true. I don't know a lot of talking food thermometers. Um, blaming food companies for food illness outbreaks needs to stop. Consumers need to be held responsible for their actions too. Stop with the paranoia. Um, and there we go. So that's so. Let let's let's talk a little bit about this. Um, we you and I have talked about raw frozen breaded chicken things, and he, here's. I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on 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 the the email here from from Jackie. Um, I I disagree. I think that part of the part of the thing with this like with this category of food is that it is made to look like it is not raw. It's made to look like it's like it's cooked, and and it sits very close in the in the food sector to like buy other foods that look like th- that are fully cooked. And so we, we, we did some work that we, we haven't like 
not I'm not able to fully talk about yet, but we did some work looking at, at some of this stuff um, as it relates to to food labels, and I like I get that that uh, people should be reading labels. I get I like I get that message. People don't, and and I I've, I've got like now five years worth of observation data that, that we've given consumers a variety of different foods with labels and been able to watch what they do and see how it impacts their behaviors and then actually ask them if they read it. And, and it doesn't, and it is confusing to people and it's not just anecdotal. Like that's the, that's the thing. This is like a systematically, recruiting people from all over the country, traveling to different spots. So it's not just like people in North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina react this way. Um, and, and it's the, it, the, the, the pro the problem is that pe you know, people don't know what those words mean. Right. So to just to see what, what Jackie has in her, in her message here. Um, and it's not clear on the package and there's not a lot of push through the marketing process on those packaging that it's important information to look for. And I think that's changing. I, I would say historically that's where, where we're at. Um, you and I do, do, do um, you know, I would say quite a bit of work with the frozen food industry and, and our friends at AFI, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll name, name check Donna Garen and, and Sanjay Gamala. They get this. They, they are actively working with the industry to get better information and come up with a standard way of doing this and pushing the, um, the frozen food industry to, um, to make sure that, that everyone there kind of understands that, um, that consumers don't always understand exactly what this information that they're provided with means and how that should impact their, their decisions. So I, like, I don't want to, it, it's not a sort of them against us situation. I, th I really feel that the, the, the frozen food industry is, is, is moving in this it, consistently moving in this direction. It has been for the last few years with the leadership from, from AFI in this, in this area. Uh, it, the, the, the line in this email that it, it gives me, I, I want to talk a little bit about more with you is um, food thermometers. And, mm. and so there, the, you know, Jackie writes, you can't, you just assume everyone can buy a food thermometer off the shelf when not everyone can do that. That's actually probably true. That's, that, that's probably like that. Yeah. That, that's a, that's a valid, that's a, a valid criticism of, of a lot of the stuff that, that we talk about. This is a food safety podcast, right? So I, I think we, we would have a variety of tools a food thermometer being one that if, if you're interested in keeping your food safe, whether that's at a restaurant or, or in your home, like at a restaurant, you're selling food, not like you're going to a restaurant and using a food thermometer on the plate they give you. But, but having a food thermometer, it's a tool that's, that's almost a, um, it, it's almost a must have, uh, I think in, in our world. And so I, I, I see that line and saying everyone can buy a food thermometer. I, I, I think that food thermometers are available um, I, I constantly, and I, I used to take pictures of them at grocery stores or at mm. Walmart or Target. I, I don't do that anymore. Just be like, Hey, look, there's a food thermometer, but it is, they're not free. So I, I get that, right? Like that's a tool that costs money, um, and may not be accessible to, to everyone. I, that, that I, uh, like I, I get that. Anyway, what are your, what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, and and we and we you know we we go back and forth on this. I I recommend um a expensive food thermometer, and I'm cognizant of the fact that the preferred food thermometer that I like to use is a one hundred dollar thermometer, and for many people that is completely out of the question. Uh, you you recommend a much more affordable food thermometer, but it's still like maybe not more than 20 bucks. It's like 15 bucks or something, yeah, right? Yeah, is the one that you recommend. Yeah, and that's yeah. not, that's not nothing. Right. So, uh, yeah. So I, I, I for sure understand that people might not be able to afford a food thermometer. Um, I'm, I guess that's what Jackie means by you just assume everyone can buy a food thermometer. Um, and I don't, I don't understand the comment about talking food thermometers, but that's whatever. That's fine. Um, blaming food companies for food illness outbreaks need to stop. Um, uh, Jackie, no. No, I am not going to stop blaming companies when they make people sick. I, 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 I got a lot of good friends in the industry. I worked very hard to help them keep their food safe. But when they screw up, they're going to get blamed. Okay? Uh, so, you know, whatever. Stop listening to the podcast. I, I don't care. Um, well, right. Yeah. Uh, consumer consumers need to be held responsible. Yes. But here's the thing. That idea, this idea that all of the blame can be laid on the consumer and the industry is not to blame is nonsense. OK. And that was where we were in in food safety, largely 30, 20, 30, not 20 years ago, 30 years ago when I started, it was very popular to tell people that they needed to cook their meat. Right. And the meat industry was very aggressive about, well, if people would just cook the meat properly, nobody would get sick. And I, I have to say the industry has come around, right? Like people have come around to realize, okay, you know, there are things that we can do to, to do a better job. Right. And, and that's, and that's, and that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad, uh, I, I'm glad that people think that, I mean, again, I look at, and again, I'm thinking here specifically of Mike Robach who worked for a long time, uh, for a big meat company and, um, was very much like in that camp of, we can't blame consumers. And he, at the end of his, he's retired now, but his, at the end of his career, I think he came around to, well, you know what? Um, we can do something to reduce the incidents and let's, let's look at, um, how do we reduce salmonella in chicken? How do we reduce campylobacter? And, and really came to embrace the idea that like there's a reason why we have outbreaks linked to certain foods. Let's figure out what's unique about those foods and then let's put systems in place to reduce that. Now, of course, no, there's no such thing as 100% safe, right? But let's work on making things less risky. I mean, it's like saying, well, everybody, you know what? Uh, people know what words mean. Uh, they should just follow the speed limit, right? People know how to drive a car safely. You can take a course in that. Therefore, uh, we don't need safety features in cars and we don't need seat belts because people should just do the right thing. Well, to, I think you made this point earlier in the conversation. People don't do the right thing, right? And so we need protections for people. That's why we have seat belts. That's why, why we have speed limits. That's why we have Cop, and I'm, I'm sorry about the, the 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 emphasis on the cars right now. It's a common analogy, but also um, I uh, I am sitting here looking out my window at my nice new uh, well, it's not a new street, but the new new my new house the house that's new to me and the lovely 25 per 25 mile per hour posted speed limit. And uh, we are sit. It's not a, exactly a corner, but it is a little bit of a turn in the road. And I was walking the dog this morning and I was across the street at the neighbor's house and I was walking across because like, I came up that side and I was walking across. And 
it's a bit of a it's a, not a I wouldn't call it a blind corner, but you can't really see if people are coming. And I was in the middle of the street, admittedly not at a crosswalk, and there was somebody that must have been going 35, 40 miles an hour, and I had to hustle my butt to get across the street. And I and I yelled at the person. I'm like, it's a it, you just drove over a giant sign in the middle of the road that says 25 miles per hour, right? Um, and and you were clearly going 40, right? And you come down a hill and around the corner, and it's just like. Come on, man. This is my neighborhood. I'm here with my dog. Go, you know, follow the speed right, line. So right, yeah. anyway, so so my point is, what's my what's my point? My point is, well, that person, what am I going to tell that person? They need to go back and retake a math class so they can read the speed limit? No. That person's an idiot and they should they should <laughs> they should be punished severely. <laughs> right. Right. And that's why we have but, laws. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's yeah. why we have laws and and why we need and, and again, and there's there's another spot in in my town where they have a Obviously, it's another 25 mile per hour uh, thing, and they have a flashing sign. And I'll, I'll I'll put my hand up and say they have a flashing sign that if you're going over 25. And routinely, when I'm coming down that road, um, I realize that the sign is flashing at me because I'm going I'm going 30, 35, right? And I so I'm trying to condition myself to like not do that, right? Like, okay, this is the speed limit here. I need to not be in a hurry. I, again, and part of it is you get caught up in like how everybody else is driving. Uh, but anyway, that's a, that's, a, that's a topic for a separate podcast. But uh, yeah, so anyway, so that's that's so that anyway, that's uh, that's my that's my thought um, on on email from this listener. Well, okay, so I, yeah, I got one. <laughs> so more. I'm, and I don't I don't I don't think it's par- sorry, I'm not quite done. I don't think it's paranoia. <laughs> okay, so there's no there's no paranoia. It's like anyway, it's no. I mean, people need to be held accountable, and certainly consumers need to do the right thing. But uh, guess what? The industry has a thing, something to do too, and I am not going to stop blaming them. Right. Sorry. Right. No, and 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 that that one. So let let's look back at multi-state outbreaks um, this year, last year, and the year before. So let's let's talk about what a consumer could have done uh, on these. Right. Twenty twenty one case of fresco. Uh, made by El Abuelo Cheese Incorporated. This just broke this last week. 11 illnesses, uh, 10 hospitalizations, a death. Um, Listeria and cheese. What what could I have done with the cheese? I mean, I could have cooked it, right? But I'm not buying queso fresca um, that is um, commercially available, that has gone through, like, really exists in the – um, you know, it's made by a company that's been visited by regulators, you know, it's legitimate. It's not, it's not what we would have like pointed to historically with of, like cheese that was made in, in someone's bathtub. This bathtub. Is, yeah. yeah. This is like legitimate. Like I can buy it at a grocery store. It's got nutrition facts on it. So what can I do for that? Nothing that who who's responsible for getting people sick. I mean, the manufacturer the company. Yeah. 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 So next one. Uh, no. So wait, so, so sorry, before we leave that, like, what do we know about what did they do wrong? Well, right? I, yeah, I don't think we know anything right now, right? Um, and, and here's, uh, let's go to investigation details. I will uh, drop this into the chat for you. Um, they, uh, this this just posted yesterday. Um, so, uh, or this, this update. Um, uh, as of March 1st, 11 people infected. Uh, they've been reported in four states. Uh, sick people range in age from less than a year to 75 years, median age of f- 54. Um, uh, 10 uh, individuals are Hispanic, six people are female. Uh, true number of sick people is not blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, uh, state and local public health officials are interviewing people about the foods they ate in the month before they got sick. Of the eight people interviewed, seven people reported eating Hispanic-style fresh cheese and soft cheeses. Among the seven people, six reported eating queso fresco. Two reported El, El, El 
Abulido brand and one reported Rio Grande uh, brand. Um, and uh, so the uh, epidemiologically, it was linked to, to this um, specific company and there's been recalls. But that's all we know, right? Right now. And I mean, mm. we don't know what you know what might have happened in the um, in the processing. I think it's too it's probably too early for that. Um, but yeah, there's Ill- and I wonder, but I but I wonder is if there's something unique about this cheese, right? Like, and and again, I mean, because we historically Hispanic style soft cheeses are a listeria risk, right? But but typically those were ones that were being made in the home, right? right. So yeah, I don't know. Well, and, and it, um, I just, uh, we'll link to this mm-hmm. in show notes, the, the original, um, place, uh, that this specific product was, uh, um, identified in or this, this specific company, uh, was on, um, February 16th in Connecticut. Uh, and there were samples, um, samples were collected as part of an ongoing investigation into a multi-state outbreak of listeriosis. Uh, and the, it was this, this product was linked, uh, uh, using whole genome sequencing, I think, if I remember correctly. So this is the source. What, how it got there? I, yeah, it, it, I, I, you know, I don't know. But, but I mean, it, it's a, it's a, a fresh soft cheese that if there's listeria contamination, it's not gonna die out over time. Um, so it's gonna, it's gonna just remain in the cheese. And yeah, yeah, and I, and I, and I guess probably it's made from pasteurized milk. But if they didn't have a good uh, environment for ha- handling post cheese making, I guess, um, they could have become contaminated. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, and there is, you know, so here's like one of the, one of the things that I think is, um, we have a, we, we've got like a big catalog or, uh, you know, database of practices that we could point people towards. But, um, what would it like your question there of like what caused this and what could we do to avoid it? Like if I'm another cheesemaker, sure there are good manufacturing practices that I should be following, but what are the listeria specific things that this incident highlights? I really need to be paying attention to because here's what could happen. That's not like, it's not out there in this information, right? So I think we make some assumptions that if you're in the industry, you know that stuff, but I like, I, again, and it's, you know, this comes back to, to Jackie's comments. Um, people don't know what these words mean. They need to retake English class or call the company and ask someone what the words mean. I think that there are folks in the food industry. It's it's a it it, it it's a normal distribution, right? Like there are some really great great people on the leading end who are way way involved in food safety, and then there's a bunch of people in the middle who do a pretty good job and and don't cause outbreaks, but. But, and then there's some folks that are on the tailing end of that normal distribution curve that really just don't even know that Listeria is a thing in fresh cheese. And and that's who we got to get to. But we should be putting out some information about here's what you – if you're making cheese, this is what you should be focused on. And I'll, I'll, I'll put a plug in um, the, uh, for something that's happening here at NC State. My colleague um, – uh, Clint Stevenson has uh, ha- had a, a student. She she just recently uh, finished her PhD. Stephanie Maggio, who worked on a, an online course for artisanal uh, cheesemakers, uh, and, and focusing on. I think it's things. pronounced artisanal. <laughs> I think you're right. I think it's. I think I said that wrong. Artisanal uh, cheesemakers, uh, and, and but but who folk like they they focused on this like experiential learning online 
you know, course to give cheesemakers this kind of information. So if you are in the world of wanting to know more about cheese and, um, you know, cheese making protocols from a safety standpoint, check out the stuff that, uh, Stephanie and and Clint put together. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I ranted a a little bit out uh, on that because I was going to go down a list of all the things that made people sick to sort of highlight that consumers can't do anything about it. Well, and I, and I, and I, I stalled you out, but just one thing, um, if you had to bet Ben, like you and I are pretty active in an association uh, called the international association for food protection. Um, would you care to guess if there's anybody, you know, uh, from, uh, El Abuelito, um, who, well, let's, 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 let me ask you even a different question. Do you think there's anybody who lives in Patterson, New Jersey, who's a member of IAFP? <laughs> I don't, I, the, the, let's put that circle around Patterson. I think not. I bet you no. <laughs> I think the answer is no. Also nobody from El Abuelito cheese either. Are so you? yeah, there you go. So they could, they could join right? now and then they would, they would, they could learn something right, and they right. might do a better job. Now, now you also have other uh, maybe even closer to home information being that you are a, um, a, a member and, and I, I'm not sure if you're on the like organizing committee of oh. the New Jersey. Oh, oh I am. I am. Yes, and, I am. Yes. And, and I, I bet you could probably cross reference that, that same company, um, in, in the affiliate membership list, um, some, somewhat not as quickly, but, but I, I, oh, pr- I, 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 I believe, <laughs> uh, I believe that I'd also administer their MailChimp, uh, mm-hmm. database. So I could definitely, uh, log into our, uh, our MailChimp account and see if there's anybody in that company, I think. So yes, right, right, right. I could, I could, I could do that. <laughs> Um, I, my guess is that they also don't, uh, aren't, aren't there, but that would be another good, um, that would also point. be my guess. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's a good place for, for folks who are making food to learn about food safety things. Um, Absolutely. All right. So tw- the other outbreak that we've had in 2021, unknown food source. So what can a consumer do about that? Don don't eat food, right? If it's an unknown food source, um, the way that I, I would get, not get sick from the, uh, not knowing what the food is would just not to eat any foods. Uh, so there's that as an option. Uh, uh, that's not sustainable, Ben. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's, it's yeah. very, it's very sustainable for the planet. It, actually, that would be a really good thing for the planet. If everybody just stopped eating, <laughs> right. that would, that would improve things on the planet uh, tremendously. I think, I mean, maybe you'd have some problems with nuclear reactors melting down and stuff like that. But, but I think generally speaking, um, that would be really good for the health of the planet. If everybody just died, <laughs> just stop, just stop eating food. It's not, yeah. We, um, okay. So we got that. Uh, then let's go back to 2020 unknown source three, same leafy greens. Uh, Don, uh, if you've got leafy greens that are contaminated with, uh, E. coli 157H7, let's say it's lettuce. Um, I mean, cook your lettuce, right? If in any, and, and not to be like too, uh, trite with this, but as, uh, as Jackie mentioned, um, it says, pro- it probably says right on there that these are raw leafy greens. So, um, if you, you should know what those words mean and you should just cook them, uh, uh, deli meats. Ooh. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> deli meats. Um, not you know. Uh, okay, cook cook your deli meat. And so so, do you see the trend here, Don? If you buy the foods that you want to eat raw or cold, um, you really probably can't do that if you're a consumer trying to avoid foodborne illness. And again, we're being very um, we're being silly with this. Woodier mushrooms. Um, so uh, the, these were mushrooms that um, were dried, and so they needed to be rehydrated with boiling water. 
Um, uh, peaches, uh, cook your peaches, onions, cook your onions, bag salad mix, cook your bag salad mix, enoki mushrooms, uh, um, cook your enoki mushrooms. <laughs> like, so, so really what, what Jackie's saying here is as a consumer, you should cook all these things that are, that are, it's sold to you intended to be fresh. If you were trying to avoid foodborne illnesses in 2020. Yeah, cook your cook your hard boiled eggs. This is fun. Cook your fruit. Cook your fresh express sunflower crisp chopped salad kits. Yep. Cook your romaine lettuce. Oh, cook your ground beef. Ding. Ding. There we go. There we go. Do that one. Yeah, do that one. That's I think that's the one that, that we're that we're so there. If we that that one makes sense. Um also don't cross contaminate with your ground beef. Um and, Oh, that's a big one. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, I yeah, I it's it's okay. Um we I I I, I think I'm okay that we can uh, agree to disagree on this. I think we we do need to do a better job on telling our, our consumers that there are risks associated with food, and it's not just because they don't know English, um, or or sorry, retaking their English class uh, because they don't they may speak English as a first language, but they need to do something else. And so it's it's got that it's got nothing to do. With, this is on us. This is on our world. If we really want consumers to handle food safer, then we've got to do something about it. And that includes better communication and thinking about knowing what they do now and trying to change those behaviors. Um, uh, more, more, let, let's say this is a uh, different feedback. Um, it came, uh, it's something I sent you as a screenshot, as I do every once in a while, I like to go to the, to the food safety talk review page just to see what do the people say about the reviews, um, uh, about our, and, and you, you really shouldn't do this. Um, but, and here's why, um, but, but I, I like it cause it's like, oh, it tells you so who's listening. And it's weird because you could see if we appear elsewhere that, people discover the the show and then there's like a wave for a couple of weeks of new people rating and reviewing the um the show. So anyway, um the best ever review came on January 15, 2021. Um the the title is quote and this is in air quotes, quote girl talk unquote between men, period. So that's the that's the review. Um this is from August Con- consumer what a waste of time regarding an important topic by experts. They need to take lessons from Oprah. Uh, that's that's a pretty good. I mean, that's a pretty good review. Uh, I'm 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 puzzled though. I don't quite I don't quite get the point. Right? Like so, are like we're obviously two dudes. Um, but is he is he characterizing the conversation as? like it might be between women, but then we could learn from Oprah. Who's a woman. I'm, I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm not, I get it's supposed to be a scathing one star review, but I, 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 if I'm rating this review, I'm going to give it zero stars because I don't get the point. I don't, I don't, I just, I don't, I'm sorry. I, I just don't get the point. Well, yeah. And, and I'm, um, I'm good. I mean, I'm, glad, I'm, I'm glad they think it's an important topic. Yeah, that's not. Are they are they upset that we're we're not taking it seriously enough? Are they upset that we don't get to the point? I mean, we know we don't get to the point, right? I mean, we we dithered and equivocated for thirty minutes on personal productivity and and devices and Skype, but you know, if you haven't, I don't know how many episodes we've done, Ben. If you haven't figured out by now that we're gonna do that, 
um, maybe this might not be the right show for you. Right. You know what? You should probably go listen to an FDA or a CDC show. They get because they're much more tightly scripted. Yes. And there's no there's no extraneous silly content. And yeah, that might be that might be the podcast for you, which God knows somebody needs to listen to those podcasts because I'm not. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> right. they're horrible. <laughs> they're not for they're not for us. So they're else. not for us. That's yeah. hey, yes, let's let's not yuck on other people's yum. Yeah. Uh, yes. So so I listen so uh, this is a follow-up to the last episode where um uh, we had uh, uh, just a, a lovely conversation with uh, Kathy mm. Campbell uh, at Miss Soup from uh, from Twitter. She so um, she she has a podcast. Uh, she's I mean she has a, you know, a couple of podcasts. Uh, one Roboism that that we talked about, but also um, uh, another one called uh, Friends in Your Ears. And I listened to a couple of episodes of Friends of Your Ear, Friends in Your Ears. Uh, of oh, nice. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting. Um, and so the, but I, of course the, the entry point into any, uh, podcast for me is find a topic who, that you're interested in, right? Like, like I, I don't want to, I don't want to jump into two, two folks who are on a podcast that Kathy's interviewing, who I don't know who their podcasts are. So there, there are two episodes that I, that were my entry point into this, uh, into this podcast. One, um, with, uh, Tiff Arment. And, <laughs> I was going to say, I yeah, bet that's, a, yeah. And, and cause I, I, and I, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know Tiff. I, I know, T I mean, I know Tiff from Dubai Friday and, and I, we, we got to interact on the, on the Dubai Friday, um, Christmas show this year, but I, I've, I've listened to her through like her, her guesting on Dubai Friday a bunch of times. And I think she's just like a, a wonderful, she's just a, a really insightful, funny, funny person. Um, and, and then the other episode that I listened to was with Merlin Mann and, um, and Merlin talked cause it, it was Don as an episode to listen to, cause we know, we know Merlin and, and now we know Kathy. It's a really interesting episode where Merlin talks about mm. this, like what we're talking about here. I, he's like, I'm not making podcasts for, for other, for other people. I'm making podcasts like not nominally. I make the podcast I want to make. And, and maybe like you, you can't, you can't please everybody. You can't please any, you, got, you can only really please one person. And so this review, like ha reading this and then listening to, to that uh, episode with Merlin, it, it made me think like, yeah, this is, I mean, we don't, we don't make this show for August consumer, right? We, we make this show because we like to have girl talk between men. <laughs> And this is the show we like to make. And yeah, well, and, and clear, clearly we're not making it for Jackie Parmenter either, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. And I'm fine with that, right? I'm totally fine with that. If you if you don't like this show, don't listen, right? Right, right. Well, and, and the beauty and one thing that that has sat with me since we got into to podcasting and one of our um, you know, in our first hundred episodes, we had Dan Benjamin on to talk about beef jerky. And mm -hmm. it and I well, maybe it was I think yeah, I think it was Dan who who said, "Here's the beauty of podcasts. Who knew that there could be a radio show about food safety, right? Like who knew that the like there there wasn't possible to have the this terrestrial radio space. But you, anybody can make a podcast and and find the voices and and the relationships between the the co-hosts and and it's about and it's about food safety and there's people that come to this to listen to it about food safety, but there's also a bunch of people who just want to come here because of our relationship and what we do back and forth. Right. And, and the foundation of what we're going to talk about is food safety. So, you know, most of the time, I mean, it's in the title, but, <laughs> but the top, but, but podcast. Well, and, yeah. and then I'm, let, let me, let me just go out and make a comment. I don't think 
we have ever done an episode where we didn't eventually talk about food safety. Okay. I, I, I'm not sure about that, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm yes. I like, I think someone's following along at home. I'm sure there's a spreadsheet out there that is tracking just like with risk or not that is tracking our topics. Um, and there is certainly not a, a show that we've ever had where we haven't mentioned a pathogen where we haven't talked about something that's going on or something that we, that we're doing. Yeah. That that's food safety related, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking more about podcasts in a, like after listening to, uh, after listening to Kathy's wonderful show, about how people get into it. The, the, I, I, those two episodes are the ones that I, I would recommend to you, Don, to start with too. Um, and it, mainly because there's a really different dynamic between um, – uh, so, so what Kathy does is she invites people on who are not co-hosts with each other. It's not a story of food safety talk, right? Like it's a story of – a podcaster paired with another podcaster who, Ooh. yeah, who, who I did not catch that. Yeah. yeah. And, and that is, that is cool. So it, that, that's actually, because why, I mean, honestly, we, you, Kathy could have us both on and we would talk to her, but it would be kind of be like the episode that we just did. Right? right. Which was fine. But, but yeah, that's, Ooh, that's, that's, I did not catch that. That's very clever. And it's really, that's, that's what makes like that. That's what I loved about these two episodes is that there is now there, there may be a connection. Um, and so, uh, or, and I, and maybe there is a connection that I, that I didn't, um, that I didn't catch, but like, so for Merlin's episode, um, Merlin, um, hang on. Let me find that. I think it was episode 22. 22. Yeah. I'm for, looking at it now for yep. whatever reason. And it's who, who's the, um, who, who's, who's it with, uh, Matthew Cassinelli, Cassinelli, who does a podcast with Alex Cox. And oh, so, okay. so, so the connection is Merlin does a podcast with Alex Cox. Kathy does a podcast with Alex Cox and, and Matthew does a podcast with, with Alex Cox. And, and they're, they're all talking, uh, not, not about that, but that's the, that's the connection where Scott Sullivan and Tiff Arment's, um, episode was really interesting because Scott, it just, just hearing about, I don't know who Scott Scott is, but he does a, a podcast called, um, uh, inspired news radio, um, mind your own business podcast and sales with Sully. Um, and he he entered into podcasts from radio I, like it's just it's just obvious right like in the way that he talks about things and tiff tiff did not and just hearing mm -hmm. them talk about their entry points into podcasts the podcasts they listen to what they do um you know T tiff talks about um you know, she, uh, the, uh, Kathy and Tiff have a, an interesting exchange about overcast because like, you know, there's a, you know, there, um, because, uh, um, Tiff's husband, Marco is the developer for overcast. And anyway, Scott doesn't know what overcast is. And like, what's, <laughs> of course he doesn't, he's a radio guy. Exactly. Like it's fascinating because our world, our podcast universe revolves around overcast, right? Like it's, it, it is the, it's where the, the podcast listeners that we have largely are where the podcasts that we listen to largely are. Um, and it's in that we're like, it, it's that web of, of people. So I just found that really fascinating that he's, like in this episode, guys, like, I don't know what, I don't know what overcast is, but I'm going to download it. And I was like, Whoa, like, so anyway, it's yeah, listen, they're, they're, they're delightful. I really like the, um, and, and I really like these, these episodes. And, and I also like, like you, I'm, it's not like I'm looking for a new podcast, but I thought this was really, it was really fascinating. And, and it, I really liked having Kathy on the show last week and, and just hearing her, her show is really, really awesome. So anyway, 
that that had nothing to do with food safety, but it did have to do with our no. our, our review. <laughs> yeah, and before we completely leave it, I always think about this, and it's not about podcasts, but it's about blogging, and it is it's a post on that uh, that seventy three folders website, uh, John Gruber and Merlin Mann's blogging panel at South by Southwest, and it's about blogging, um, but it's it's just it's. Uh, and again, and I always get it wrong, but it's right here in this uh, first cartoon obsession plus topic plus voice. Um, and so it, the idea is like that's that's they're talking about that. That's what it takes to be successful in blogging. Honestly, I think that that's podcasting too, right? Obsession plus topic plus voice. And so obviously we're talking about food safety. We're both I wouldn't say we're obsessed with it, but we certainly care a lot about it. And we have our unique perspective on our unique perspectives on it because we don't always agree. So, yeah. So anyway, uh, so check that out if you have not already. It's a audio MP3 and it's it, I, I haven't listened to it lately, but it's it's just it's it holds up. I, last time I listened to it, it holds up, and it's got lovely cartoons. So if you don't have time to listen, just at least go read the wonderful cartoons by by Dave Gray, who's also the guy that uh, did um, uh, Merlin's Hot Dogs Ladies um, uh, image on his uh, Twitter. Huh. Huh. Cool. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. So let's move move on to another um, another feedback, and and so this uh, uh, you know we. We do this other podcast called Risky or Not. The format isn't really set up for us to talk about the feedback that we get on Risky or Not topics, right? So, so this is the companion show to Risky or Not, um, and because uh, yeah, that that show does not have follow up. This show yeah. does, and it can have follow up for that show because just coincidentally, you and I do both shows. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. Um, so, uh, so here's this one, this one comes from, uh, a listener, Elena, um, Elena writes, you know, this is feedback about an episode. It's about our, um, an episode that we did on vacuum sealed fish. Um, and she said, Hey there, um, I just discovered your pod and I'm over the moon excited to binge every episode. Oh, that's very nice. Thank you. Um, I just listened to the episode about vacuum sealed fish and I've always wondered why the same advice doesn't apply to other vacuum sealed meats. Is it simply that botulism spores are more prevalent in fish? Thanks so much. Um, and so like I, you know, you, you answered the question, but, but essentially uh, I'll do the same thing right now before I let you answer it, Don. Um, yeah, Elena, it's it, it, it's exactly that. It's that the the type of botulism um, or the type of Clostridium botulinum, which is the pathogen that causes botulism, that that, uh, that we're concerned about in refer under refrigeration temperatures is really associated with water, like brackish water. And, and, and so seafood is really the, the issue. The terrestrial, um, Clostridium botulinum doesn't grow, uh, at those refrigeration temperatures. And there's like a, in a, there's like an evolutionary reason for that, right? Like I, I, I think sometimes we probably skip over this, but it's because that environment, that brackish water, that cold environment, um, it, it, the bacteria, the, like, that bacterium wants needs to be able to um, like grow and proliferate in that environment, and so so it's you know it, it is like over time really become uh, more like the environment is selected for fitness. I'm, I'm getting right into evolution today, Don. Um, but but that's that's why, and it, and and we haven't seen that selection happening in sort of the terrestrial Clostridium botulinum. So that's you know if we see those spores, they're more likely to be associated with fish. It's not like that. There's a zero chance that it wouldn't be, but I but I, we're in the world of risk. We we're looking at what's most likely to happen. So, yeah. 
So that's that's my 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 thought on this. Uh, yeah, no, and you're yeah, you're 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 exactly right. So there are multiple strains of Clostridium botulinum. They all, um, I think, they almost all they all make toxins. They make different kinds of toxins, but the toxins all have similar effect. The toxins are related, and yeah, and just just you know, like like. Ben was saying evolution, right? Organisms evolve to exist in different habitats, um, and there are the the organisms that uh, exist in a marine habitat are different than those that exist in a terrestrial habitat. The Clostridium botulinum strains that are commonly associated with with meat or with other foods or you know canned foods, they are more heat resistant, but they also don't grow down to such low temperatures. Um, whereas the ones that are associated with the marine environment, they're actually actually um, less heat resistant. So it's easier to kill the spores. Uh, but if the spores do survive, they grow uh, better under colder conditions. And so, in, in, yeah, so that's the reason why the, the focus is on seafood. Um, although actually the actual incidence of Clostridium botulinum um, from seafood is quite low. Most of the cases of seabot in um, marine uh, animals is actually linked to indigenous pop populations in uh, Canada and in uh, uh, Alaska, where they are making these sort of traditional dishes that, um, and maybe you know for whatever reason not not exactly following traditional practices, or or maybe they are, and they people the indigenous peoples just die from botulism. But sometimes you can get you can get uh, botulism. Um, but that's that's where most of our seafood botulism cases in this country come from right now, not from vacuum packaged fish, but that's in part because we, we pay attention to vacuum packaged fish and try to treat it carefully. Right, right, right. I, so this, the, this conversation about evolution, I just dropped to you, a, um, a link to, uh, one of my favorite follows on Twitter, Katie Mack at Astro Katie, who's a, um, a professor here at NC state, but she's also all over the world and is like super awesome on Twitter. Um, she writes books about how the universe is going to end and all that, um, all that good stuff. Uh, but she's really like a good science communicator, com communication, uh, person. She, uh, tweeted something over the the weekend about um, uh, this like super cool discovery of bacteria that photosynthesizes from infrared light from a deep sea hydrothermal vent, and and it like it, it's it's exactly why we have like it in the what was the what was the guy's name from Connections James uh, uh, you know the show Merlin's talked about this on uh, uh, on Dubai Friday it's a show that I used to watch growing up it's a British guy. Um, you know, you know what I'm talking about? No, not, 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 not doing anything for me. James connections, James Burke. Um, and it's called connections. It was, uh, it, it's a really cool, um, uh, it, it's a really cool show where we're basically, you know, three things like spaghetti, uh, palm trees and Vesuvius all have like oh. a connection right, that are, that are cool. all like in science. So for me, the this is connections, right? Like thermal vent photosynthesis is connected to you know bot toxin in in your fridge and frozen fish because it's essentially it's the same the same mechanism, the same evolutionary mechanism, right? The the bacteria are going to adapt to to their um, over time, like generations are going to adapt to the to their environment to 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 per, you know to continue to grow and and make more bacteria. So uh, anyway. <laughs> I've, I, let's say I've lost my own thread here. So let's move on. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, I got, I, I want to get to this one, but this is all right. Well, let's, let's do this one now. So, okay. um, 
This one comes from um, from from someone who is a uh, a food safety person at a, a, a land, another land grant um, institution, but but did ask us not to reveal their name or message content on the air. Hmm. Uh, I'm gonna we're gonna reveal some of the content because I think that's the only way to really talk about it. <laughs> so yeah, I should cha- I should change I should change that prompt. Um, yeah. Yeah. On we're, the thing. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so so the. Really, and we talked about this on a couple a couple episodes ago about um, questions that I that I get uh, from folks who are making um, uh, programs and extension that include recipes or directions for for nutrition um, uh, your reasons. Like you know, they're not they're not cookbooks. They're really um, recipes that are that are science based to inc- improve nutrition. So this person emails us and says, "Hey." There, there are two other things in another cookbook that was also developed by NC State Extension that are that are food safety concerns. One is the direction to wrap potatoes in foil for baking, and and I'll, you know let me I'll read from from this email. The risk there is a risk for botulism, but a bigger risk that consumers will forget to take the foil off before the potato cools. So let's let's park that and we'll come back to it. Mm-hmm. The other okay. concern is using a slow cooker to cook dry beans from beginning to end, bringing bringing up the issues of lectins um, and uh, hemagglutin. Um, and so we've we, we've talked a little bit about that on on um, risky or not, but I want to I guess I want to talk talk through that um, uh, with you. And then there's a, a, a sort of a second part of. Um, uh, the comment or the, this email that has to do with raw cookie dough. But so, so what do you, I, I guess, what do you think about this? You, what, it, it is, and my question to you is, should we not, should we expunge tin, you know, tin foil or aluminum foil from our, like all of our food lexicon for, for potatoes because of this botulism risk or should we, and, and I'll, I'll tell you what I, where I would fall on this, or should we just have a reminder that says, when you bake potatoes in tinfoil, you should put holes in it and and remove it once the baking is done. Like like I you know I I, I get anyway that's that's where I would where I fall on this. I don't think we need to say. I don't think we need to remove the directions to wrap potatoes in foil for baking. I think that that's still a, a, a valid culinary step. I think we need to include, and here's why you should remove that foil. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. It's not it's not the foil per se that makes it risky. It's the post-cook handling, right? And so the the examples, and we'll find we'll find we'll find a link. There's a, been a couple of outbreaks. Um, yeah, there's, there's there's a wonderful article. Uh, lead authors Fred Angulo from uh, I believe from CDC. A large outbreak of botulism: colon the hazardous baked potato. Um, and so the issue with these these is that the and the outbreak I'm thinking of. I'm not sure if it's the one that we're going to link to here um, from Journal of Infectious Disease 1998. Uh, but people were. That, that we're not used to preparing large quantities of food. We're preparing large quantities of food and they put baked potatoes in an oven, wrapped them in foil, baked them, and then left them in the oven after the baking process was done. And so certainly the the foil contributed to the risk, but also it was that the, they were, I think, pretty tightly packed in this, uh, this, in this um, oven. And most importantly, 
time temperature control post baking. So, so again, um, I don't think it's the foil really that's making it risky. Um, that's, so that's my, that's my two cents. So no, I think I get, I would, if it's up to you and you're in charge of those recipes, then I don't know if you are. I'm not, you should, but yeah, okay. Yeah. But you should review the recipes and just make sure that tell people after you bake the potato, refrigerate it because it, it, it goes from a raw potato, which is not a, uh, TCS food to a baked potato, which is a TCS food, and it does need to be properly uh, handled. That's all. Yep, yep, agree, agreed. And and so, I, and I think this is this is where I where I really want to I, I I don't know land on this is I I think people are going to bake potatoes in tin foil. We don't have a or aluminum foil. What what's the right American term? Is it tin foil? Is it uh, foil? Well, the aluminum foil is what the article that I'm looking at says. Yeah, no, but I it's not to, actually made of tin. Anymore, what would you man. What would you call it? Is what I want to know. I would i i i I know that aluminum foil is probably the correct term, but tin is only one syllable, and so I might occasionally say tin, like tin can, even though I know it's not really tin anymore. So yeah, but I, yeah. <laughs> I'm not answering the question, but that's the best I got. Okay. Well, I, I call it, I think I call it aluminum foil or I don't know. I don't know what, anyway. Um, so aluminium. Alu, aluminium. Uh, From Kitimit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's good. Uh, so, um, so people are going to use it and, and, and I think we, we just need to tell them that here's what you need to do with it. Like, that's it. I don't think it just expunging it is, is the right way to go. Okay. Second one is slow cooker to cook dry beans from beginning to end, breaking up the issues of lectins and, and hemoglutin. And this is one that we did talk about on, um, uh, on risky or not. And, but really we did it from, uh, soaking beans overnight. And and the important part here, and I think we talked about this in, in other uh, episodes of, of Food Safety Talk, is um, it, it really has to do with the temperature and boiling is is needed in, in some of this. So I, I don't know where to where to land on this one. Didn't make didn't somebody who I uh, might have just outed um, uh, send us a, a message on this on uh, like an, a non official agency uh, uh, approach to to beans? Do you remember remember this? I I do remember it, and I would have to do a little bit of uh, I would have to do a little bit of searching. Do you do you want to search or shall I? Um, no, I, I don't think we need to, we, we need to search for it. Okay. Um, but cause, cause I could, I could read to you about Kitimat if you'd like. <laughs> I, that would be, that would be lovely. Um, so, but, but the real, the real question is, uh, like slow cooked beans, slow cooker beans. Right. Um, are, are we, what, what's our, what's our deal with that? And, and I think, I, I, you know, I think that's one that we probably do need to revisit. I got to look at this. I'll come back. Let me take a look at what the, um, what, what that, uh, recipe book has for that. Cause I didn't, I didn't pull it up to, to see exactly where it's at, but, but I, I think, and if I, if memory serves me correctly, that slow cooking beans can be risky, right? Well, didn't we talk about this on risky or not? Yeah. Yeah. But I think we talked about it as it related to soaking beans overnight. Oh, okay. Which was a little bit different, like we, where the cooking step was implied, right? Like so that the, the like it's not risky to soak beans overnight and cook them, but I think the beans in the slow cooker might be might be something different. 
Oh, yeah. And so let's see. So I did. Yeah, I got. So this is. Yeah. Th- so th- this was a, a, an email. I think we talked about this on the show. This was an email from a colleague of mine w- at Rutgers Cooperative Extension. Right. And so she said. Um, That's where it came from. Prepare- yes. yeah. Yeah, preparing for uh, tomorrow's uh, seminar. I had a presentation. I wanted to know, ask about the safety of preparing slow-cooked meals beforehand. A lot of bloggers talk about freezing veggies and meat sauces to go and to go in the slow cooker. Blah blah blah. I saw this Academy of Nutrition article. Prepare meat and vegetables separately for the slow cooker. What do you think? Is it dangerous to combine them? Um, also, this is where it's. Yeah. Also, did you hear about kidney beans that aren't safe to cook in a slow cooker because of a protein called phytohemagglutinin? Right. Uh, And so uh, let's see. It does seem there's a concern about the toxicity of kidney beans. Uh, Here is a citation, uh, uh, and it was entitled uh, Toxicity of Kidney Beans, Phaseolus vulgaris, with particular reference to lectins, uh, published in the Journal of Plant Foods. Um, and again, this is just reading from the abstract, uh, hemagglutinins, lectins have not long been known as toxins naturally present, readily destroyed by cooking, um, uh, 25 outbreaks in Great Britain, hundred persons arising from raw or undercooked kidney beans, a public television program resulted in 330 letters, 880 cases, um, Let's get to the punchline here. Uh, the, the, the toxin is completely destroyed by 10 minutes boiling, although there appear to be some variation in the stability of toxin of different samples of beans. Heating at 80 degrees C in, increases the amount of lectin right. about fivefold. And so incompletely cooked beans may be more toxic than when eaten raw. Okay, and so and so, what my response is based on this, I would recommend that red kidney beans be boiled for at least ten minutes. And so, yeah, I think the idea here is that you can have a problem uh, if you partially cook these, particularly uh, kidney beans. Right, 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 and and that and and I agree with the um, uh, with the person who we won't name uh, who sent this to us. Uh, that slow cookers probably are not getting up. Like they're probably in that 80 C range, 175 degrees Fahrenheit, right? Like that's, that's kind of where my right. slow cooker sits. Uh, so right. yeah, yeah. So I, which I, is normally fine for food safety. Right, right. Right. Yeah. But in this case, so I gotta, I, yeah, I'm, I appreciate this. I, I will follow up and, and see what we, um, what we have. And it's, you know, this is one of those things where, you know, the behind the scenes piece, right? Like, you and I both exist at land grant universities with, you know, hundreds of other faculty members who also exist at these land grant universities. And we don't like review each other's stuff, right? Like it's, there's not always a role for us like this. So, so having just like, I guess having the, the thought that everything that comes out of NC state has the same eye or lens is, would be incorrect, right? Like, cause, cause people are, we, we, we run our own shops. Um, so, but I will follow up and find out more about this and make sure that, um, that we're talking about, you know, specific, like not creating a situation that could be, could be safe, uh, unsafe. Okay. So third, um, third part of this, um, uh, also in the discussion, uh, you talk about the temperature flowers should be heated to for safety. I'm glad to hear, uh, hear you two having to talk through that for the last year. I've been trying to find any recommendation for consumers to heat flour to 160, 165 to be used for raw cookie dough, not going down the rabbit hole and discussing eggs here. The internet provides tons of ways to make flour safe for eating raw cookie dough. As with any internet hack. Well, I, you, for, yeah. you forgot, you forgot the little Richard fingers oh, there. Quote, safe. make flour safe. Quote, yeah. safe. Quote, safe. Yes. 
Um, as with any internet hack, I have a five log mistrust of that information. I, I, <laughs> that's pretty good. That's... Yep. Uh, I think there's need to have an expert, uh, quote you. And I think, I, I think you're being pointed to that Don, uh, to verify heating flour for raw cookie dough, as I think it's going to be a minute before social media clamps down on false food safety claims thoughts. Um, so yeah, so, so we have talked a little bit about this and I know that there's, um, I think we mentioned Caitlin's work in this area, right? That she was, uh, well, yeah, yeah, actually it's, it's Jin Jung's work, right? It's it's my, my PhD student, Jin Jung, who's currently post-knocking for Linda. Uh, Caitlin was involved because of, we're going to try to model it. Um, it turns out it's not readily modelable. And so what we're going to do is, uh, and we'll have to figure out what Caitlin's involvement is, but, but that is uh, on our list of papers from, from Jin's. Actually, that was not, that was her, that was Jin's post. Postdoc, brief postdoc with me before she started with Linda. And so, yeah, it's it's a good, solid piece of work. I, I, I trust it. It's not super big or super fancy. It would be great to have other people replicate it. But basically, we, we didn't use E. coli. We used salmonella. And we discovered that, yeah, one of these silly YouTube recipes that I thought would be complete nonsense actually does work. It does give you about a five-log reduction. It really depends upon the oven temperature. Obviously, it depends upon the thickness of the flour, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, it does, it does seem to work. And we, we got to get that published. Cool, cool, cool. Yep, that's good, good stuff. And uh, thanks for the thanks for the feedback. And I've uh, being that I'm in OmniFocus um, right now. I've added a, a note to my inbox right now to follow up with uh, our FNEP folks about beans. So thank you for uh, that awesome feedback. And now that there it's actionable, and it will show up in my um, in my forecast <laughs> that I will do by the end of this week. Uh, okay, so let's. A, a, a couple of quick things. Um, I, we got a we got a message um, from from friend of the show uh, Matt Stasewitz who uh, who we we've we've listened, mm. he's listened to this show for a while. He's, he always provides really really thoughtful um, feedback. Um, and so he, in relation to our last uh, episode with with Kathy, uh, where we talked about the intersection between food waste and food insecurity and food safety, um, he highlighted a literature review that um, that he uh, he co-authored um, with uh, Jessica uh, Zagarowski, um, Gustavo, Gustavo Reyes, Melissa. Oh man, now I'm gonna just butcher everybody's names. Melissa Melissa Flew Prescott. Uh, and and himself uh, on investigating intersections between U.S. food service recovery and safety. Um, re- so he sent this to us yesterday. Uh, it, it published uh, in November 2020. I missed this. I didn't see it. It was in Resources, Conservation, and Recycling. This is a phenomenal paper. Um, I, I read it yesterday afternoon. And Don, it um, just – Kudos to 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 uh, Jessica, Gustavo, Melissa, and Matt on this. It really does a nice job ta- talking through it, exactly what we talked about on on, on the podcast. Um, and, and so, really, really great. He also um, he, he also mentioned um, that uh, one of the one of the co authors on on that was recently awarded a, a grant to do work on K twelve share tables. I can't remember if we've mm. talked about share tables on this show. But we we have. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't know what they were, but you t- you you taught me about them. Okay. So, really briefly, it's uh, um, uh, something that happens. Uh, I, I think more and more, uh, increasingly in in school settings, where kids will show up with food 
that they don't want to eat, like my kid who, who doesn't um, eat all the stuff that he wants uh, that's in his lunch uh, bag. And there's a way for them to uh, provide that as like a, a food donation to other other kids who um, might want to eat that food. Um, and, and so the you know the, there are some food safety concerns about about chair tables. And so really really cool. Um, Matt highlighted that um, that Melissa Prescott will be working on um, you know interviewing health inspectors about chair tables. And he's doing uh, a QMRA of, of share tables, um, and so that's really like this is this is awesome stuff. This is the kind of stuff that we talked about last week. Of like we need more data in this area, and just kudos to to Matt, and Melissa, um, and and the rest of his group for working on this. It's very this is exciting. This is cool stuff. Yeah, it's it's so it's so great to have uh, to have Matt. Uh, as a as a colleague uh, out there, just doing like really just just con- he continues to um, amaze me with his in- enthusiasm and his ideas. I mean, just really innovative stuff. But it's not it's not just it's it's innovative, but it's like innovative in a way like wow, that's a I I really wish I had had that idea. Like a lot of a lot of people do something like yeah, I had that idea, I just didn't have time. Matt has stuff that's like that's I never even thought of that idea, but what a great idea. <laughs> I'm a little jealous. Yeah, well, a little jealous, just a little. But what what's awesome, like what what's really really awesome about it is that he's he's growing his program in in a in a way where he's also training a bunch of people and they're going to doing really cool stuff, right? Like that's I mean that's the goal and in, in everything that we do. But he it's yeah I'm I'm very um you know I'm, we got a we got a Matt Statesowitz love fest here. I'm I'm a I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of the stuff that he that he puts out and and, and that he's doing. It's it is very cool to have him. Um, in in this in the food safety space, and and he's. Yeah, I just really I just wish he wasn't quite so good at it. I wouldn't be so jealous <laughs> if he wasn't quite so good at it. <laughs> uh, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so uh, so we've got that, uh, and here's um, uh, um, here's something something else. We 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 talked about um on a recent episode of Risky or Not, um, a, a question about it, um, expired hand sanitizer. And so, oh yes, w- really like the, the one, one of my favorite, favorite episodes, I think of risky or not, where we kind of dive a little bit into what that even, what it means to be expired and what the, like where, how someone would derive an expiration date. So check out the risky or not, um, episode. We won't rehash all of that here, but we did get, um, a message from someone in, in quote, big sanitizer. Um, so, you know, pick, pick your sanitizer company. There's lots of them out there, but we've got, we have lots of friends who, who are in that, in that world. And so, um, I'll, I'll read read the message that we received from from Big Sanitizer on this. Um, you both pretty much hit the nail on the head. Expiration dates for all hand sanitizers are rooted in OTC drug re- regulation from FDA. The main purpose of these expiration dates is to demonstrate to the consumer user that drugs remain active and stable through the listed shelf life. Pretty much all manufacturers of hand sanitizer perform stability, stability testing at elevated temperatures to give a quote, worst case scenario. FDA requires manufacturers... Uh, to keep uh, retains of batches, of batches uh, after expiration as well. And sometimes companies can audit these retains to ensure their products are still good. And that what that means is if the uh, ethanol percentage is still within the specification. As long as alcohol-based hand sanitizers are stored properly, no temperature abuse in a sealed unopened container, we typically see stability good up to five years after manufacture. 
Expiration dates can be tied to hand sanitizer format and appearance as well. Like many food products, hand sanitizer formulations can break down over time. With storage, for example, the gel matrix will break down. This can impact the, quote, feel of the product for the user, but doesn't necessarily impact the efficacy uh, as alcohol content can still be in the spec. Um, lastly, you mentioned evaporation. This is also a big risk, especially when stored under extremely hot conditions or in non-sealed containers. Since the pandemic began, be, begun, there have been explosion, uh, an explosion, no pun intended, uh, in the use of refillable hand sanitizer dispensers. Many of these weren't even designed for, for hand sanitizer in the first place. So the risk of evaporation in these dispensers is elevated compared to bottles. So um, anyway, thanks to to Big Sanitizer Anonymous for, uh, for, for the follow-up that we were at least like 90% right um, on, on I think our we, I, what. Well, I think we were mostly right. Was it what did we get wrong? Well, no, we we're. I, I guess the 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 part that we talked about, um, we we got a little closer, and I, I think I, I think Big Sanitizer didn't want to weigh in on this. We got a little closer to what if it was low uh, alcohol content or close to that sixty percent line um, in in evaporation. We waded into that, and he didn't really. I, yeah, I guess we're 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 we we were on. We we got it right, um, but but he didn't want to comment on that part. Yeah, well, and if if yeah, and if we, I mean, you know, I mean, the whole the whole nature of risky or not is we have to give a black and white answer. And as you and I know from many discussions on this podcast, there's always, you know, caveats and exceptions and things like that. And of course, evaporation, right? Like that's a big unknown, right? We just don't know. And again, I mean, to to his to to. Uh, Mr. Big's point here, um, you know, extremely hot, non-sealed containers, there's going to be evaporation, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but you know, and this is, this is, this is actually really good feedback. And also we'll kind of loop in here too. We'll link to, we got tagged on a, uh, a tweet from, uh, Fed Sox sucks, uh, 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 Matt, uh, Enloe, who says, who asks about uh, medicine with a listed expiration date of November 2019, uh, sinus max severe congestion relief. Um, and he says, uh, risky or not, I believe this may be technically beyond your wheelhouses, but I promised I would ask. And I would say, you know, risk that, that this eating this drug, taking this drug will hurt you. I'll say minimal risky. It might not work more than that, m- more than, than the risk that it'll make you sick. Um, but, but probably in my opinion, still low again. And it, it comes back to this OTC over the counter drug regulation. So, yeah. Cool. 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 Um, Okay. So I've got a I've got a hard out in 17 minutes, and there's one more topic I want okay. to talk about. Talk about. Let's uh, do it. And and it's a it's an interesting one. This comes to us. Uh, it actually also via uh, risky or not. And um, the uh, listener uh, whose name is Ted uh, writes uh, subject least risky meat. Uh, he <gasps> says I know this breaks the format of the show, but I think it's a very valid question. <laughs> okay, good. Said, well, check. okay, it's a. It's a. It's not a valid question. It's an invalid question because it breaks the format of the show. It is a good question. It's a question we're talking about. It's just we're not going to talk about it on that show. Right. Right. It's a valid question, <laughs> just not for that show. Yeah. It's invalid. Well, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Yes. Invalid for risky or not, but very much valid for food safety talk. And it's kind of one of these esoteric questions. So, so Ted writes, "What animals' meat would you consider generally the safest?" So this is you know the podcast that we don't run called Less Risky Than That Thing. Um, <laughs> I suppose I gave, suppose I gave you a choice of boneless pork shoulder, a strip steak, or boneless chicken breast. Which would be the quote least risky? And I added the quote part. So he said to, to ignore other factors, really control. Let's say the meat is cooked to its recommended temperature. 
Um, so not all cooked to, or not, not that all are cooked to 160, but, but it's their, their recommended temperature. We can also assume the fruit prep is done correctly or, or at least adequately. Did it arrive contaminated perhaps what the industry po- probability is on it. And I, I'm going to, th- there's a little back and forth because I think you, you gave the answer that I would have given said, basically, if, if we're going to control for everything cooked to its recommended temperature, then they're all of equal low, low, low risk, close to zero, because we have done the step that's necessary. So we kind of, you kind of pushed back, well, uh, not pushed back on him, but said, yeah, um, it, I, I, we, that's a very quick answer to your question. He said, okay, so what if we remove some of the guardrails, right? Safety, what would be the safest quote, well, or slash riskiest? He's adding hamburger to the list. Um, and he'd say, I'd put that as the most risky, um, I don't know uh, uh, as much about whole meat though. And so, 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 so here's the, here's, here's the canonical question, Don, for food safety talk, not risky or not, or this uh, bit of food safety talk that we're going to call, um, what's least risky, what's most risky, um, uh, uh, pork. Um, so what, what are we boneless pork shoulder, strip steak, boneless chicken breast, ground beef, least risky, most risky. That's what I think he's asking for. With, with with taking some of the guardrails away, and I and I think that that's like let, let's let's make an assumption here that not and this is where we get into like what, what a you know quantitative risk management uh, um, uh, not quantitative microbial risk assessment would look like. We're making some assumptions about how people are actually handling this, so not everybody's going to handle it correctly all the time. Which would you say is is the riskiest or at least risky? Yeah, well, and so and th- so in that back and forth uh, with the, with the listener, I, it occurred to me like, wait a minute. If so, let's 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 t- let's let's find the laziest possible way to do this because a not a non lazy way would be to look at USDA uh, baselines for all of these products and uh, and then look at prevalence and concentration of the pathogens and then integrate that with dose response. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This sounds like a thing that's already been done. And then, so, of course, I thought about the uh, wonderful and, and we often talk about on this podcast um, uh, ranking the risks document, which is by uh, Mike Batts, uh, Sandy Hoffman and uh, Glenn Morris. It's it's a little bit dated. It's about ten years old now. January 1, 2011 is when it came out. But this document essentially can be used to answer that question, right? And so what I did was I looked at um, in this wonderful document, which we'll link to the the uh, Robert Wood Johnson page that that links to the PDF. Okay, and then you can in in this document. Uh, basically, it's uh, you, if you look at table ES3, disease burden by food category summed across pathogens by combined rank, basically, you can say, okay, so the number one food that causes illness is poultry, right? And then, and then complex foods, which we'll throw out because it's not part of the question. Next is pork. Okay. Next is produce. We'll throw that out because it's not meat. Next is beef, right? And so I would say Based on this analysis, which admittedly is old data, it would be poultry, pork, and beef from most to least risky, uh, with deli meats coming in below that and 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 then on be, on below that. And again, that is not on a per serving basis, right? That is a population basis, right? So if we eat twice as much poultry, if the risks of poultry and pork are even, but we eat twice as much poultry, 
poultry is going to score higher. Um, but yeah, and, and of course, it, you have to buy into their assumption about quality, about quality, not quality, quality, quality adjusted life years, because that's how they're ranking it, right? So instead, you could also re-rank by illnesses or, or cost of cost of illness, et cetera. But basically, cost looks like cost of illness tracks qualities in terms of ranking pretty closely. So yeah, my lazy answer is I'm going to just copy off Mike Bass's homework yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to say that's, uh, that's, that's my answer. I, so, and I, I kind of did the same thing and this is the beauty of this paper. I love this paper so much. I use it. I like, I feel like I owe royalties to, um, to bats Hoffman and Morris on this because I, I, I gave a guest lecture on, uh, yesterday, Monday in a, in a class to vet students where I talked about this paper. I, it is, it is a, it features, you know, so much of my, my thought process and, if, and, and I use, I use it all the time. I agree if we could put a, um, a, a, like a, uh, a request out to the, to this group and now they're all, well, Mike, Mike's at a different spot now. Um, but at, at FDA, but I, I, we need to update this to see if it's still the same. Uh, that would be great because it is dated, but that's where I go. Um, I, I, I like to, I, I, I like to highlight and I'll go in. My favorite is actually table six, um, where, and you're, and you're now talking about the JFP article, I not am. the PDF on the Robert Wood Johnson website. I am. I am. Yeah. Cause I think the, and the JFP article, now that it's 10 years old, it's like open access. No one, I don't think you have to sign in for it. So it's not behind yep. the paywall. Um, oh, uh, Robert Wood Johnson's not either. Oh, okay, good. Okay. So, um, so, so table six of that, of that paper goes through pathogen food combinations. So it's not about the specific food, um, only on its own, but they, they, they go through, all right, let's look at what's the, what's the top pathogen food. So from a risk standpoint, this, and, and again, cost of illness, um, and, and, uh, quality, um, I would go, I, I, I think it tracks the same. We've got Campylobacter and poultry at number one, uh, Toxoplasma gondii and pork at number two, which is a really interesting one. Then we've got um, Salmonella enterica and poultry at number four. Then um, you know, going down, we we see Toxoplasma and beef showing up in number eight, um, and then um, beef again with Salmonella at number twelve, and uh, Salmonella and pork at number thirteen. Um, and and so I, I you know looking looking through this, I also think that we go poultry pork, beef in that order. But Toxo is a special one because it's not the one that everyone kind of thinks about when it comes to like foodborne pathogen and acute illnesses. Uh, but but I still think from a risk, like if, if I'm looking at the inclusive risk and it's – I'm also um, – you know, they also track out in, in, in uh, poultry, pork, beef. Yeah, and and in the document you're looking at, the table that's equivalent to the one in the document I was looking at is table eight. Correct. Yes. So if you scroll down to table eight, it's again poultry complex, pork produce beef. So yep, yep, yep. yep. So anyway, great. It's a great question, valid question. Everyone, check out this paper. Really, like if you're in the world of food safety, this is like the Scallon paper. It's on that. Um, it's on that tier for me. Like, like it just does such, it's such a good starting off point to help us figure out where we should putting, where we should be putting our resources. So you should know about this paper. 
I know we've talked about it a lot, but yeah. And, and if you're, if you're, if you're just like a normie uh, type that's listening to this podcast, cause you're interested, it's a pretty accessible paper. I would, I would say, you know, it's free to go ahead and take a look and see if you can see if it makes sense to you. Read it, read it. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, if nothing else, like look at the tables, right? It's yes. uh, it's, it's a, it's a nice, it's a really a nice, it's almost a ton of work, uh, but it's really, it's really a nice, nice bit of work. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I hope, I hope Mike and Sandy and, uh, and Glenn know how important that paper is and still remains to be, um, I'll, I'll, we'll send, we'll send him a message. Uh, so, so there you go. I got a, I got a heart out. Was you it, got a heart out? Yeah. Anything, anything, any last words, uh, anything we didn't talk about? We plowed through a bunch of, uh, a bunch of feedback. Not all. Of yeah, it. no, I, I, I think, uh, I think that was, uh, that was really good. And we've, uh, yeah, we've, we've cleared that we've cleared up. We've blown out the, uh, the pipe, as you say, <laughs> blown out the pipe. Um, where it's all, it's all, we got rid of that corrosion in the inside of it. Uh, and then we'll, we've made space for more to pop up next week. So send us, send us feedback. Um, this is food safety talk. Uh, bye-bye. <laughs> we need an ending for this show. Right, right. We have an ending for the other show. We need an ending for this show. That's the ending. I mean, 200, 200 episodes in, it's just bye. <laughs> bye-bye. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Um, th- first of all, thanks for switching. I got oh no, no worries. One um, uh, th- uh, one of our projects where we collaborate with another group. One of the people on their other side, the collaborating group, left, and so we've got to kind of like uh, introduce some new people to the project. And the only time that worked was at eleven. Um, oh, no so, worries, yeah. no worries. Uh, okay, so um, if we were to do this. Two weeks from today, it, that actually probably is not ideal. If we were to do it, huh? Let's just pretend there's nothing in there. The, you know, sometimes when I look at my calendar and it says new event, it oh. I probably just clicked on something wrong. Like it, I didn't put anything. Yeah, there. and just made a made a new event. Yeah, yeah. and I'm just gonna delete it. Um, and hope yeah. that there wasn't anything real in there. It wasn't a real event. Yeah. yeah. Could Me you, too. could you do Wednesday, March 17th at 9am? I could not. Okay.
because I've got an annual physical. No problem. Um, could you do... What the heck is this? Should probably go to that. Could you do um, Friday, March nineteenth, anytime before noon? Yes. Okay, let's do that. Try ten till noon. Perfect. Okay. FST. And we are, um, we're still on. I'm, I'm still good for tomorrow for risking or not at one. If you still are. Yep. I think it's going to be, it might scheduling the next risky or not. It's going to be kind of tricky yes. uh, just because we, looks like we both have a lot going on that week. Well, so but maybe next, next week's not actually not bad. So maybe we'll, okay. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. I'd, All right. Yeah, Sounds good. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I will, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get this up as soon as I can. Um, I stopped yep, saying and I'll, I'll, I'll do it today because I probably won't. <laughs> so I will, I, but I know it needs to be posted. <laughs> exactly. And that's fine. And that's fine. So I, and I'll, I'll, I've got a couple of titles captured and then um, I'll, I'll also work on the show notes and get that uploaded um, momentarily. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Don. Bye. Bye.